0: Chris, Chris Talk
1: Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. My name is
0: Chris Huddleston.
1: And today, we are very excited to be talking to you about the 1986, correct? It, it,
0: yeah, it's 85 or 86, 85. depending on where when it, where it was released. Ah.
1: Well, whatever. We're very excited to be talking to you about the film... Legend
0: There is A balance to the universe The struggle To maintain That balance is the stuff Of legends For there can be no good without evil No love Without hate Life Needs death Innocence feeds lust. There can be no heaven without hell. No light without
1: me. I am darkness. Okay, so you don't get a lot from that trailer, but you get, a, I don't know, you get what you get. Um, do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston?
0: I do, if you can wait just one second. I'm sorry, I held things up. Um, so Legend is a, two th- or not not a 2000, a 19, it's 85 or 86. So it was released in, in Europe in 85, and then it hit the States in 86. Uh, directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, And the synopsis says darkness played by Tim Curry seeks to create eternal night by destroying the last of the unicorns, Tom, Tom, or Jack, Tom Cruise and his friends do everything possible to save the world. And princess Lily, Mia, Sarah, I don't know if it's Sarah or Sarah from the hands of darkness. That's pretty much it.
1: Yep. That's pretty much it. Uh, You had
0: seen this before. I don't know if I had ever seen it in its entirety. Prior to this. so um,
1: All right. Well, why don't you start? I had seen okay. it. it. has been a while since I saw it. but
0: So I, like I say, I'm not 100% sure if I'd ever seen it all the way through. I didn't see it in the theater. Um, I didn't see it on video The uh, originally. Um, it was on TV a lot. So it was one that I just kind of caught bits and pieces here and there. I never liked it much um, back then. I, it always seemed really weird to me. Um, but watching it this time, it's it's much less weird than I recalled it being or expected it to be. Watching it this time, um, there's not there's not a lot to the story. And I read some uh, some. Uh, reviews talking about it being predictable. Well, it's a fairy tale. They're all kind of the same story, you know? Right. So the the predictability aspect of it I, didn't bother me at all. Um, it's much more in some ways for children than what I expected it to be. There's a lot of, you know, the elves or dwarves or whatever they are, pretty slapsticky. But then you also have this pretty dark stuff with the, uh, darkness in his castle, you know, that I think would be kind of scary for children. Um, but, uh, I think the, the production design on this is absolutely incredible. Um, and I watching some of this, I thought, are these sets or is this outdoors or what? So I was reading about it. Um, they built sets in England, trees that were 60 feet tall and like 30 feet around. So all the forest stuff is all uh, sets. Um, And Ridley, Ridley Scott said they went to, um, they went, you know, and scouted out some real locations and he felt that you couldn't, it wouldn't be able to, be able to control it the way he wanted to. So they built these sets, which, which are just amazing. And I don't want to, I feel like I say this every week talking about the, these old movies. I don't want to sound like the get off my lawn guy, but this is definitely a, this is definitely a, they don't make them like this anymore because a lot of these backgrounds and things, a lot of this would be CGI today, but the sets are just unbelievable i feel um and darkness is you know he's a demon or a devil or whatever he is I, I don't know exactly how they categorize him but i think this is the best devil or demon that has ever been put on film he the design of him is fantastic and i was also reading uh rob boutine who did the special effects for or the makeup effects for uh the howling and the thing also did the effects for this. And I mean, Mm. they, his makeup of that character is fantastic. And then you have Tim Curry playing him. Who's just great. Um, The only criticism I would have there is they, you don't really see much of him until really the last half hour or so of the movie, 20 or 30 minutes. And the ending of this is definitely the best part. I felt the, the, some of the stuff where tom cruise is hanging out with the the dwarves and everything like i said i i feel like that's a little too slapstick and um you know and, and childlike uh for my taste now as you know an adult um mia Sarah as the princess she's great tom cruise i always felt that he he was another thing growing up that i that kind of disconnected me from the movie. I always thought he seemed like an odd choice for this role. He's, he's okay. I mean, he's fine in it. Um, he doesn't talk a lot. Um, which I think is good because if he tries to do sort of a British accent, I don't, I don't think it works too well, but it's definitely a bit of a movie that's kind of style over substance. It, you know, like I say, it's, it's pretty simple and um you know not particularly plot heavy but it it just looks so great that i was i was sucked in from the the visual aspects of it what do you think
1: i agree with the assessment of style over substance um it it looked a lot better than i remembered even and i Mm -hmm. think that that um that handcrafted like every shot was like oh you could see the storyboard and you're like that's beautiful um I think um the problem I had mostly with this was just on the page um we don't whether you you know we could talk about the casting of Tom Cruise in this but but he didn't have much to do um And there's no real indication of who Jack is. Jack is human and he's a, like a loner and he lives alone in the forest and he's in love with Lily, who is, I mean, we presume is a princess, but we don't, we really don't find anything else about them at all. Um and so they're trying to save the world from an eternal darkness, uh, which is very, very big, literally global stakes. But the movie feels very, very small in terms of it's its like the relationship of this boy and this girl and, you know, the Dark Lord. Um, but even his relationship with them, its it's interesting because – it is as though this was launched with the, interp- you know, with the intention of being a children's movie.
0: But it's very dark mm-hmm.
1: for a children's movie. And I don't mean that because, you know, there's graphic violence or inappropriate whatever. But the tone, the tone of it is, you know, there's he's running around with some sort of, I guess they're, Well, there is a fairy and there's an elf and then there's a couple of little Scottish guys that are gnomes or they seem to be something different. Mm -hmm. or Maybe they're all different types of fairy. They don't. This is not a movie that gets into the um, the naming of things and the and the you know what I mean? And the sorting of things. It doesn't get into like, well, he's an elf. So these are his characteristics, but he is a goblin. So these are his carry. Right. Mm -hmm. so you don't really know what's what, but the, but there are these sort of hobbity sort of Irish speaking little, you know, guys with big ears and funny noses and, you know, kind of goofus little hats and they're bumbling and, um, they're supposed to be comic relief, but I don't think any of those bits really land. It's not that they stink. It's just that they're not particularly funny and the overall sort of, Oppressive tone of this world or this picture, this forest feels very kind of claustrophobic somehow. So it, you know, even when there's magical creatures, the unicorns, and 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 it's supposed to be this sort of soaring sensation, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't ever. You're not ever enraptured by like the power of the forces of light or the beauty of the freedom that they're about to lose. It always it always sort of feels like the darkness is already a, upon them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of it's the musical score too, which I think is not quite right. Um, it's a lot of synthesizer and stuff, which is not out of place in the eighties, but it feels kind of out of place in this movie. So and, that uh, is an
0: interesting thing that I read. Um, so there is, I didn't find this out until after I'd already watched the movie. And now I kind of want to watch this. There is a director's cut that was released in 2002. And oh, I
1: would like to see that Ridley Scouts director's cuts tend to be much better than the studio releases in general.
0: Yeah. You just think about Blade Runner, you know, but um, uh, and, and Tom Cruise has come out at some point and denounced the original one. And says that you should only watch the uh, the director's cut.
1: Oh, man. I wish we'd known uh, that. Yeah, and
0: I didn't even have any idea until I didn't after, either. after I'd watched it and I checked and um, I couldn't find it streaming anywhere. So you must have to get the the Blu ray or the DVD or whatever wow. to to. Well, that, but
1: I'm probably not going to cross that line.
0: Yeah. But if I can, you know, if I can track down the, um, you know, a DVD or a Blu ray, I, I might, I might check it out. But so, and that addresses a, a a couple of things um, that you brought up. So the original score was done by Jerry Goldsmith. And I guess it's more of a traditional score. That was the European release used that, I guess. And then they decided, and I guess this was Ridley Scott decided that they wanted to use this. uh, They wanted to have Tangerine Dream do this synth kind of a score. So they did that for the North American release And then for the director's cut, they went back to the original Jerry Goldsmith score. So that might, you know, I'm sure that makes quite a bit of difference. And also this I thought was funny. Um, Let me, I'll I'll have to read this to you. So the, um, the ending is different in the director's cut. So the director's cut after, I mean, this isn't really giving a whole lot of away because it's a, a fairy tale, but there's a big battle at the end. Lily is under a spell. So she's unconscious after they kill the darkness and um, Jack kisses her and they, and you know, she, it's kind of like um, snow white um, and she, or is it snow sleeping beauty? It's kind of like sleeping beauty. You know, she wakes up and then they walk off into the sunset to, you know, they fall, they're in love and they walk off into the sunset together and all the other Woodland creatures wave at them, you know, and and that's the end. Well, the director's cut, uh, it says Lily wakes with Jack trying to convince her she was merely dreaming, but she is ultimately unconvinced. They confess their true love for each other, but realize they live in two different lifestyles, which causes Lily to request continuing a merely platonic relationship. Jack, happy with the request for the first time, accepts Lily returns to her home to assume her responsibilities, promising to visit him again. Jack happily runs off into the sunset, hailed by the forest fairies and their revived unicorns. What a weird... That would be a... They just It's just like, hey, let's just be friends. The end. You know? Yeah. That's a, yeah. That would be very strange.
1: But one of the things that I felt all the way through this was that Lily you know, that this love of theirs could never work. Mm-hmm. You know, I really did feel that all the way through. She's, um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear she's a princess. That's right. I mean, we don't see the castle or anything else, but she's wearing sort of a princess headdress. She has a very mm-hmm. entitled, I can do anything I want attitude. Um, and And he takes her to see the unicorns and he's pretty clear that he's like, you know, she she sort of goes to creep up and touch them, and he's like, no, oh, no, you can't, you know, and she ignores him, and it, that sort of sets in motion. There's a sort of an Adam and Eve thing. Exactly, like, yeah. She sort of takes a bite of the apple, and it's a trap, and these goblins kind of poison the unicorns. There's two of them, and they chop the horn off of one, and they capture the other and take it back to darkness. Mm-hmm. Can't get over that name. There's even a moment in the film where Tom Cruise screams, Darkness! (laughs) Like, that's, like, you know, like, Sauron! Mm -hmm. (laughs) His name is Darkness? I don't know. It seemed weird. There's nothing particularly dark about him. He's one of the most colorful things in the movie. He's blood red. I mean, he looks like Satan. Like, uh, if you've ever played the video game Diablo, it's... um, It's these huge, huge, epic um, curved black horns coming out either side of his head, but it's almost impossible to describe how much they dwarf. Like, it's so larger than life um, that you wonder how he's even able to hold his head up Um, with the goat legs, right? And he has a cape, but it wouldn't be hard to imagine him with huge leathery wings, and he's got, you know, big, long, shiny, onyx-colored, you know, talons. And he's just... He's just the devil, basically. Um, yeah. Uh, and glowing green eyes with vertical slits. I mean, it's—it's it's, everything about it is so over the top, and I loved the visual. But a lot of the characters, really with just the exception of a couple of them, um, Jack and Lily being two, are wearing a ton of prosthetics. Right. So, um, Tim Curry masterfully finds a way to kind of play through it. Yes. Um, and he does a lot of like one of the only places that isn't completely obscured. He has a big pointy chin and these kind of hugely overwrought cheekbones and the, uh, bone structure around his eyes is all built up. Right. And he's got contact lenses in and, huge ears that you know that sort of make his head bigger to fit the giant horns but right around his mouth is more or less his mouth um and he's wearing black lipstick and then sort of prosthetic um not vampire teeth per se but he has big canines like Mm -hmm. you know but he does so much sort of mouth acting and upper body acting like big grandiose shakespearean arm gestures and gesticulating with his hands and his whole body and he really sort of chews his words and but you know and it's it's just the best performance in the movie yeah everybody else um i think struggles with it like all the little sidekicks look like they're wearing Kind of full Halloween, like full Muppet head masks, and so there isn't a lot of actual ability for most of the actors to emote. And Tom Cruise, who I don't, I certainly don't think is a bad actor, is definitely cast out of type here. But like I said before, they don't give him much to do, so all it's the story is almost like being read to. You don't, you don't get to be sucked into it by. You know, you don't you don't get to stand in the character's shoes because their performances don't pull you in to the situation with them. You just kind of watch it unfold. And I feel plot wise, like, yes, it's it's painted in primary colors. So I don't want to nitpick too much. I'm like, so this demon wants to marry the princess? Like, how does that even work? Like, they're so obviously. They're just radically different species like why mm-hmm. is he even attracted to her you know right when there's another rant that touches on here but anyway i i lost my initial point but i just feel like you know ridley scott is a genius um but and this movie has a lot of, a lot of great stuff going for it but i feel like it's like one of those flying machines you see in the old movies that just can't get off the ground it just doesn't ever quite succeed in doing what I think a movie needs to do, which is pulling you in and taking you along
0: for the ride as though you're one of
1: the characters within it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with all of that. Um, you know, it's you brought up about, um, them, you know, you don't, you don't know anything about, you just know that they're that they love each other, but you have no idea why. Um, other than I guess like they're just both attractive, you know, (laughs) but yeah. uh, And he's like,
1: you you don't know, he's the kind of a Peter Pan character and there's even sort of a Tinkerbell figure in this too. And so he just seems like this sort of free spirit of the forest. And it wouldn't surprise me to find out that he was an orphan or or something, but you don't get any context like that at all. Mm. And she's this princess. I'm like, how did you meet even? like what so you're going to you're in love and you like to kiss in the woods you're going to get married how is that going to play out like i'm sure that her world is not going to sit for that you know what i mean it's like realistically jack your head ends up on a spike outside the castle i mean that's yeah. kind of that's kind of where it goes so the idea that they sort of decide this isn't going to work out and they part as friends happier going back to their own worlds actually is sort of a happier ending for me a more plausible ending and you kind of feel the roots of that all the way through the movie i mean i didn't know about that ending until you told me about it just now Mm -hmm. but i'm like actually i think that's a more mature more
0: satisfying ending it makes more sense 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 for sure that we saw yeah it you almost wonder and i think maybe you touched on this but you know, there's this big forest inhabited. It seems like they're the only people. You know, maybe they fell in love because they don't know anybody else. You know, right? I mean, it's because there's the people that she lives with that are they even her parents? I don't, I don't we really don't understand. ever
1: see the people that she lives with. She's like, comes to this little cottage, and there's a woman there who's clearly not royalty. She's like, baking stuff and doing laundry and she surprised oh lily you know have oh, okay. another biscuit or whatever and she sort of like comes down and visits the common people but, but she's i misunderstood other... that
0: i thought it was like she lived with them i thought they oh, were oh no no i don't I think they so. were her adopted parents or something i don't think so and i, and I, I think I, you're right but i i just didn't pick up on that exactly
1: but um, um you know, so I I also feel like there's some stuff like this movie left me with questions that I I really wanted to to follow those questions down. Like, so darkness at one point talks to some higher power that he calls Father. Right? He says, "Father, what do I? You know, how do I?" And he's talking to the fireplace. It's right. a neat scene actually, because the mm-hmm. he's this huge kind of. Um, uh, Hearst's mansion walk-in fireplace. He's got in his, I guess, tree castle. Looks like a castle on the inside, but it's a giant tree where he lives. And and there's a roaring fire of like six foot high flames, and these kind of uh, grotesque, almost tiki like statues that stand on either side of the fire. And a voice whispers back to him and gives him advice. So he's like father, how do I do this? And it's like, oh, seducer, make her one of us. And you're like, what is happening? Like, mm-hmm. who is Cobra Commander in this? I want to, you know what I mean? I really want to know more about this world architecture, Um, especially since I don't get to, I don't, I'm not allowed to get to know any of the, the characters here that we're following, right? The camera just follows these characters and it was almost as though it's a scene in Lord of the Rings, but there's another 12 or 13 hours of movie that sort of explicate everything else that we never get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, found, it, um, I found it frustrating because it it is it looks good enough and there are good enough moments in it that you're like, wow, this really could have been great. But some of the things that don't quite work feel really basic like really basic filmmaking. And of course, Ridley Scott knows better than that. So I don't know, maybe, maybe the director's cut is the one to watch. Um, oh, they do another yeah. thing too, where there's, vo- they, they, the fairies, they, they modify their voices. So the assertive sound like, oh, Jack. And you know, they, they do it in the, they do the same thing to, he has a an elf that is helping him. And, then there's a goblin that is one of the henchmen of darkness. And both of them sound exactly the same because they've put whatever filter on the voice, right? And the goblins are always rhyming. their little like, you know, so pretty, so sweet, uh, not half as nice as rotten meat or something like that but sounds exactly like the elf. Did you notice hmm. that? Like it's. The oh same yeah. Thing? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I didn't like the, so with darkness, they do, you know, some kind of voice filter with him too. And it really works. Yeah. He sounds great. Yeah. They deepen um, his voice. And it's kind of like Freddy Krueger or something, you know, where they, they do the, you know, they would do that same kind of thing. And if you ever hear the actor just doing it without the voice, uh adjustment, it you know, it doesn't sound as ominous. But yeah, with the I didn't know why the one little um elf guy puck or whatever he's called couldn't just be just the actor's voice. I don't I don't see why it would have you know that would have been fine, I would I would think. Um yeah that right that, that performer certainly
1: didn't have a bass voice. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I couldn't tell if it was just a young Person, or if it was actually a child, Red is an actual child, right? I mean, is that
0: a child actor that was yeah, that? Elf? I, th- I think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, none of just really, you know, none of those characters are really interesting. There's not anything about about them that you really feel like you want to spend time with them. I just kept, I just kept waiting to get to the stuff with darkness basically because he's the most interesting yeah. thing about it um I feel like th- this is something that if they remade this now or they did a sequel to it he would play much more prominently in the the story um, yeah you know I, I can also... only think that they they wouldn't be able to make it good they
1: would ruin it the yeah AV... It would be all CGI or they would animate it or something. And I think you'd lose like the the magic that exists in this movie is because it's practical. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I mean, and that's uh, not to say that I think all of it works. Like he finds a shiny sword and he finds a a shiny shield and those feel like Halloween props. Yeah. Um, They don't feel like actual weapons and they're of no use to him. He doesn't use a sword against uh, the demon anyway. It's funny because there isn't there isn't a lot of mortal feeling peril. Like people fall or jump and, and there's a sort of a visceral fear of falling off a cliff or something. And there's a giant kitchen that they're sort of preparing people for soup. And there's like bones in the, in the pots and stuff that I thought was like admirably gross. But mm-hmm. not in a way that would give kids nightmares. But like, no, oh, that that doesn't look too bad, you know. Um, and there was, you know, somebody is sort of thumping. There's somebody kind of tied to a table, and there's a big pig-like goblin. Yeah, guy, the guy keeps hitting him with kind a cloak of thumping or something. him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the guy's like, oh, oh. And you think, well, you know, in a different movie, this he'd be chopping a body up to put in the soup or something, or as it is he's just kind of repeatedly hitting the guy in the stomach in a vague way yeah but anyway the the concept of there being a giant kitchen where you're going to get cooked and eaten is a kind of classic scary fairy tale place and the place sure. looks good uh, i just the idea he ends up beating the devil with light getting the daylight down there to shine on him and that's the end of darkness because daylight is his bane um and he uses the shield, the shiny shield as a mirror instead of using the golden sword as a weapon, the way you'd think to like chop the monster's head off. And there isn't a lot of like, even the demons amorous desires towards Lily feel very adolescent. You know, it's like kids who play at romantic Mm. storylines without really understanding how reproduction works. Uh Uh, you know, it's like, well, you will come and marry me and you'll be my... No, I'll never be your bride. You'll do it or else, you know, you can't have your castle. No, but I love my castle, right? I mean, it it felt kind of like that, like he was bribing her with pretty jewels and sumptuous feasts and trying to kind of convince her to agree to be his wife for all eternity. You know what I mean? And then they shine the light on him and he dies I don't know I, I I guess what I'm going with this is it felt like the movie couldn't quite decide if it wanted to be viscerally scary and commit so it's a practical movie where you see these practical bodies but then it's 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 uh, declawed and defanged in a way as it would be for a genuinely little child audience like not even PG-13 or not even PG but like G mhm D- don't you think i mean it was PG yeah. right wasn't it rated PG
0: PG yes mhm but i thought skewed young for PG except for some of the set pieces some of the set pieces and and like you said the dark tone of it like the the one scene where lily is there in the castle and there's the the figure that's all in black, that's face is covered and is dancing around with her. And it was like, that was creepy. You know, that would be. Yeah. And very adult feeling, you know, that would, that felt out of place. Yeah. There's weird. I don't know. It's definitely the, the tone is strange. And, and also I, on the Wikipedia page, it said that um, Ridley Scott had considered adapting some, you know, actual fairy tales or like Grimm's fairy tales or something like that. And he said that some of them are are either way too simplistic or they're very convoluted and complex. Mm. And he said he he hired this guy who was a fantasy writer and got him to write an original story for it. And I guess there was there was some more complexity with kind of side missions and things like that. And he wanted to cut a lot of that out and have it, which he did and just have it be, you know, more straightforward, which I would think I think would be okay. I don't think you necessarily need a bunch of side stories going on, but it just feels very much like a short story just stretched out. Yeah. It's basically like, We've got to be in the forest in the beginning and then we have to get to the castle. So we're going to have some things, some, you know, creatures along the way, and then they have to be in the castle and journey in there to fight him. And it just all felt stretched and you don't really care anything about. Right. Any of those characters or or any of that. I also think the, um, what you brought up about the claustrophobic nature of it, I think that, may have to do with the fact that it was sets
1: it literally was these these forests were
0: inside yeah um and you can you know i think of uh another movie that i like a lot that feels that way is um did you ever see sleepy hollow yeah um that you know you can it's in that it's really obvious that they're on sets but it it makes the world feel small closed yeah closed yeah exactly Um, I forgot.
1: I just thought of this, but uh, another standout little character that's just in the one scene is that Bog Witch. The Bog Witch was cool. Yeah, Bog Witch was pretty great. I mean, there's, again, lots of prosthetics, but great performance.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, One thing that I thought was just a minor nitpick thing that was strange to me. There's one part where one of the uh, trolls or whatever it is, the one that has like a... I don't know, like a bucket or something on his head jumps down in a hole. And when he does, he says, adios amigos. Yes. And I thought, why would, why would he speak Spanish? You know? know, It's like, that was like really out of place. I didn't, I didn't, I guess they thought that was really funny, but I was just like, this is weird. Yeah. Um, I wanted to read, uh, there, so I was a bit surprised, um, the, and I don't know how many of these reviews were from a long time ago or, or from now or what, but on, um, Rotten, it only has a 38% critics score on Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience score with over a hundred thousand ratings is 73%. Really? Yeah. Um, so i you know, I, I, it's definitely not a 30. I mean, I would, I would definitely be more in range with the audience i mean it's 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 in no way a bad film i don't think it's just you know there's just not a lot to it but gene Siskel- yeah
1: I, I didn't find it hugely um entertaining but i don't regret having watched it again i you know i kind of was no. kind of like huh you know that i just leaves you with this sort of it's not a great feeling to walk out of a movie but when you feel like it wasn't that that was bad but that it feels like it could have been a lot better yeah you know? it could have
0: been could have been so much more for sure and i think my my enjoying it more this time may have something to do with the fact that all of the times i would have seen it previously were it would have been on a small tv you know yeah. 4 by 3 and this gains so much visually by being seen widescreen yes you know, on a big, on a big TV. Yes. Um, But Gene Siskel hated it. Really? And said, um, uh, he said, uh, even Tom Cruise, one of the most appealing actors of his generation can now claim, now claim to have made his first truly awful film. And the same goes for director Ridley Scott, who specializes in art, specializes in artful, heartless movies legend however isn't the least bit artful you can say whatever you want about it but it's a great looking movie you know you can say there's no soul to it or no you know there's really no story to right uh but to say that it's that it's not artful i don't understand and then he went on to say um yeah uh Oh sure, I could tell you more about Legend, about how the princess turns into a Dark Ages disco queen and writhes in terror in front of a red devil. But I don't want to remember any more about Legend than to make sure I include it in my worst films of nineteen eighty six list and never rent it when it comes out on a video cassette. Dang. <laughs> so he really hated yeah. it. I mean, yeah. He must have been in a bad mood that day or something, because it's he not cured it. I you didn't know, think it was that bad. No. Well, and I was
1: going to say this about the visuals. Um, I was going to say, oh, it's really original. I I don't think it's all that original. It's elves. And I mean, there's a lot of just Tolkien um, kind of knockoffs, not even ripoffs, but just kind of like knockoffs. Um, But the sets in particular are incredibly specific. And I mean, it's a thing I harp on a lot when we talk is just specificity. And like whoever was building those sets... And, you know, designing and, and then executing on those sets and that kitchen and the bars of the cages that they're in and all of the little detail, whether or not you like the way that his um, kind of golden uh, chain mail that he finds, whether or not you like that look, uh, it does. it's not vague. You no. know what I mean? It's very, very specific. Somebody made... Detailed choices, and um, I like that. I think fantasy, including Star Trek, often falls prey to this sort of vague. Now we're going to the, down to planet, you know, vaguely named, and the people are vaguely human. Maybe mm-hmm. they're vaguely green, and they all they wear have little kind ridges. Of, they have little ridges, yeah, on and they all kind of wear homespun, vaguely burlap-looking outfits. You know what I mean? And you're like, yeah you dreamed up this universe in which there's life everywhere and they go and they have these adventures. But when you actually go to one of these other places, it just looks like Cleveland. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, welcome outsiders. Oh, you're not surprised to see a starship of people that just like, come on. Mm -hmm. I know the show is like, well, we're not, we're, we're teaching a lesson about racism by exploring this planet. But do you know what I mean it was just sure i i it was it felt so lazy, and I know they didn't have a budget, but um, this movie does not fall prey to generic you know if this is a vague forest, no, this is a very specific forest, each tree they design and the cliff and the where the unicorns are, it's all very very specific, and I admired that enormously, oh sure, I totally agree it
0: made me want to get yeah. to know. It made me want to get to know the characters, you know? And this is a rare instance was, so it was a 90 minute movie, which is usually the sweet spot for me, but it probably could have not being stretched out, but if it had more development, it, it could have stood to be a, you know, a two hour film. Um, Cause there's just not a whole it lot. It could to have been it. if
1: they didn't, if they'd have developed, um, if they'd developed the characters some more, Yes. like I would have, I would have been fine seeing more Jack and Lily, if I felt like they were actually, you, you know, if we were developing that relationship in a meaningful Even
0: way. Even if you'd seen just a little bit of one other day with them, or a montage of them spending time together, or something, you know, but uh, yeah,
1: and and Tim Curry was such a bad guy. That we, I really wanted to, I wanted to learn more about him. Like I, I, I get it. You want to cover the world in darkness and light because you can't go out in the light, but there's gotta be more to it than that, you know? And, and Tim Curry's an actor that could flesh that out. Who is this father? You know, who is, is that the, is that just evil incarnate or what's going on there? Like there's just, there was a lot more to develop if they'd have wanted to, and they, I'd have watched if it had been done in meaningful ways, but it was just sort of like, no, the, oh, now he's got the girl. And now we got to go get the girl and, oh, he doesn't like light. Let's mount the light. And uh yeah, we did it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I could have watched another half hour of if, you know, if it was some backstory of darkness or, you know, because again, he's the best part of the movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Quite agree. So, I mean, would you recommend it to other people to watch?
0: I would. I imagine this is a movie that there is a big nostalgia factor with it. I'm sure the people who love it are probably people who watched it when they were young, and there's Mm. a lot of nostalgia um, connected to it. I think if you're like me that either maybe you didn't, you know, you saw this movie a long time ago and you didn't like it much. I would say, give it a a chance to watch it again, especially in widescreen. Or if you are just a, a fan of, if you like fantasy films and particularly like eighties fantasy films, and maybe this is one that you've never seen. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it kind of goes along with a lot of the other fantasy stuff of the yeah. time. Yeah.
1: Well, it got me thinking about Neverending Story and Labyrinth and some of those other things that for whatever reason, you know, there was this big sort of fantasy push right in the mid-80s and I want I'd love to read somebody's paper about why that was, why that, you know, had such yeah. a spark
0: at the time. I was thinking about that some watching it and you know, I A lot of those movies I was kind of left me cold. Labyrinth, I was never a giant fan of. That never ending story. I I never was super crazy about any of those movies. I don't know why, because I, I liked, you know, that was, there was a time there where we played Dungeons and Dragons for a while. And uh, I liked reading fantasy novels you know like terry brooks and authors like that uh sword of shannara and all that which i know that's been adapted into tv show or something but um so i i was into all that stuff at the time but those those fantasy movies always left me a little kind of wanting i don't, I don't know why but yeah um but yeah i i i mean it's worth watching for the visuals you know and just just don't expect a lot of story
1: yeah, I guess I would agree with you. I think I I think overall if I was if I step back, I would say that this movie is is sort of a snoozer. It's it just didn't grip my attention. And I didn't turn it off or wish, you know, when we were watching Kill and Kill Again, I was like, I several times had the thought, I wish I did not have to watch the rest of this movie. It felt like homework. (laughs) It felt like homework. Um, And I didn't feel that way in this. Um, I was interested to see what was going to happen next, but I didn't get sucked into it. And when I don't get sucked into it, um, you know, if it's just me watching Netflix and I can be watching a new show and get about halfway through it and be like, I'm not feeling it. You know, I'll just change the channel. I don't I'm not like, well, I started watching it, so I have to finish it. I'm not I'm just be like if it's not holding me. And I think if we hadn't been reviewing this movie, I might have I might have stopped just because it wasn't I wasn't seeing Tim Curry early on. And I think he's really gets his hooks in you. But that's mostly at the end. And I don't know, you know, I mean. All the things you said, if that's. Of interest to you, this movie is definitely worth checking out. It's a strange nostalgia trip, but it's really interesting to see Ridley Scott do fantasy like this. Because that's not, I mean, he does historical epics and he does sci-fi, of course, but as pure, like, high fantasy goes, this is the only thing I think I've ever seen him most of his other stuff doesn't come anywhere near it you know
0: no no and i'm glad i watched it because like i said i thought it was a movie that i disliked and you know watching it now i definitely didn't dislike it it's just it's a little it's a little sad that it's some tweaking to it, and it could have been a really amazing film. Maybe right. that's the director's cut. I don't, I don't know. I, I would like to track that down. If I could stream and watch it, it and I, see how different it is. If I could stream it, I would actually watch it. I would. And I was watch surprised. It. Like you can't even rent it on on Amazon. I, I, I thought just that Googled was very it strange. up now.
1: It says it, there's like an Xfinity streaming service that you can watch Legend if you just Google up Watch Legend Director's Cut Ridley Scott online or something. There's a link to. So if Xfinity is your provider, hmm. somehow you can watch the director's cut. It's not my provider. But no, um, mine, mine, and I, I, my interest in it stops at me having to jump through hurdles or pay more money. Yeah. <laughs> so if there's a way that I could pay $15 and watch it, I'm, pass. <laughs> yeah. But, but like if it was on Netflix and I could actually zip it up tonight and check it out, I might skip ahead through the parts that I thought were a little slow. Mm -hmm. But I would. I would watch the director's cut. So it's good enough to recommend, you know, if that's any kind of a benchmark. Exactly. What do you want to do for next time?
0: I do not know. Do you have any thoughts? I was thinking Uh, that as I was was heading to record, I thought, shoot, we haven't even thought about something we would want to watch. Do you know, is there a genre
1: There's a part of me, okay, we're just spitballing. There's a part of me that wants to do like a Grand Slam, Mm -hmm. like Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark or something, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this whole time, and we've been doing this for 65, 66 episodes now. This whole time, we've been doing the kind of, Some cult stuff, some fringe stuff, some stuff we'd never heard before, some stuff like this that we had seen from our childhood, right? But we've kind of stayed away from the things that everybody's already seen and already talked about. But there's a part of me that just wants to kind of anchor it all with, uh, I mean, there's no surprise. If we did a movie like that, we're both going to be talking about the things we loved and watching it. But there's a part of me that's kind of feeling like maybe that's what That's what I want to watch this week. What do you think?
0: Yeah. Is there, is there, uh, I'm trying to think.
1: Maybe not Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, but maybe Temple of Doom, which I've seen less than the other two. Oh, okay. Or maybe, you know, maybe the Crystal Skull, which is a little more fun because it's the worst of the four.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely the worst. Um... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if if Temple of Doom is the is the one that you've seen the least, well, that's what we should watch. I remember watching
1: that as a kid and thinking um when the guy rips the other guy's heart out, I was like, "Whoa, like that was a lot for me at that age. That was intense."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh and I just yeah. felt like that the rubber met the road with that movie um more like it was a more visceral a more dangerous feeling um roller coaster ride than Mm -hmm. the first one
0: was which was one of my favorite movies of all time spoiler alert i am i'm sitting i record this in my in my office in my house and i have a a temple of doom poster in (laughs) my In well, my office.
1: We, well we don't have to i'm just no like, no, what, no, no. Well, you said no, what I'm do you want to do and then i'm kind of like well oh. if i'm if i'm honest and i just let that question float in my mind then indiana jones is what comes back and they're shooting oh, another sure. one you know so it's sort of on my well, mind yeah
0: let's do temple of doom i mean if if that's the one that you've seen the least um and temple of doom is you know it's interesting because it it got a lot of, I'll save a lot of this for, cause I just read an article a few weeks ago about the making of it. That was, that was really interesting. But, um, so I'll, I'll save that for, for the, the episode. But, um, you know, at the time it was felt to be too dark and they kind of apologized for it. And, 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 you know, and looking back, like a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people love it, but, um, so, yeah, I'd love to do Temple of Doom. I mean, it's great. Well, let's do just, that. I won't be unbiased about it. I, I, it's a movie that I love. So, And
1: I have this kind of, you know, I'm like, oh, but that's a big blockbuster. That's not what we do. And I'm like, well, it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> right? And I mean, there are, you know, I have no idea. Um, I mean, I know a couple of people that I actually talk to who who listen to the show are younger than us. So it's you think like, oh, everybody's seen it, but everybody hasn't, Um, you know, there's oh, a whole man.
1: If we could introduce even one listener to that movie.
0: Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I mean, there there are definitely, you know, there's a whole generation of people that are in their 20s or even their 30s that that never have seen some of these movies. Oh, so, yeah, let's do Temple old. of Doom
1: cool so Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com That's our handle and we're on the socials and you can like and subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy listening to it um, you can send us an email you can send us a tweet or a Twitter tweeties. Um, you can what else can they do um, or the, maybe that's all Instagram Instagram you can we're at a,
0: we're at almost a thousand followers on on Instagram. so awesome yeah that's great, yeah and we we have to get some good activity on there, so it's a nice so
1: um, yeah, awesome. we're gonna do just a favorite of both of ours. just we' get a just nice big meatball for the next time. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. that's the second uh movie in the sequence.
0: It is the second movie, but it's actually a prequel. That's correct. It takes place before because I think it's nineteen thirty-six. I forgot about that. Yeah. So it's actually that was that was one of the first things that I can ever recall being a oh, this movie takes place before the first one. The prequel.
1: That's what I thought they should have done with The Matrix. I thought they had this incredible opportunity with The Matrix after the success of the the initial film The Matrix. And it was announced that they were going to make two more films. I thought what would be amazing is have the next movie that comes out actually be about the about the conflict between the machines and humankind. So even pre Neo, it would break a lot of rules because you wouldn't get to have your central character, you know, not just earlier in Neo's life, but. Earlier in Humankind's, it would be the War of
0: the Humans and the Machines. They did that with the... uh, Animatrix. The Animatrix, yeah. Yeah,
1: I know, but I I thought it would be cool to see that in live action. And then Mm -hmm. for the third movie, you could pick up where Neo leaves off at the end of the first movie. And if you wanted to accomplish some of the same stuff they tried to accomplish in the second and third of those films, A, you wouldn't have to milk it so hard. Like you could figure out because at the end of the first movie, he kind of flies off and you get a sense that he doesn't quite know what he's supposed to do next. Right. He says, I'm going to change everything. And then he flies away. You don't get the sense that he's got a plan. Um, And then for the third movie, you could have him sort of, you know, finish off the kind of messianic arc somehow and end the war. So we realize what it is. We meet Neo we see how the war happens and then we come to the end and we see how the war ends. And I just thought Mm. that would be, that would be fantastic. And you could kind of empire strikes back at the middle movie could be a lot of fans would hate the middle movie because they're like, well, we want really, we want to pick up where we left off. But in retrospect, I think people would be like, that was awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's something it's interesting. You brought up the matrix because that's something that I've thought about at times, you know, with the new one, the new one is fast approaching. I think it's Christmas time when it comes out. Wow. Is it the Um, same people? It is one of the Wachowskis returned. The other one kind of retired. But one of the Wachowskis came, came back and, you know, just kind of did it um, on her own. Um, Yeah, I I believe wrote and directed it and everything. And uh, I know it, Whatever one of the comic cons or something like that, they they either showed the trailer or they released footage, and you know, people were like, Oh, it's amazing! But what but, is it? I don't know. Is I, don't, it I mean, it Neo is it more? Yeah, it's Neo Neo's back because they said there's uh, but he died. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they said there's uh, Neo Neo fighting, you know, I guess he's like training with. Morpheus, but Morpheus. So Neo is older, but it's like a real young Morpheus. So Keanu, it's basically what Keanu looks like now with long hair and a beard. So it's like John Wick Keanu. So that's yeah. all I know about it. I don't, I don't know what the story is. But since it's coming out, you know, I loved the first Matrix and I hated the second and the third Matrix. I hated them. And I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of fans weren't real happy with the second second and third i mean they made a ton of money so somebody liked them but but i remember just thinking i i just i just want the machines to win <laughs> i don't really care you know, wow. about what happens. But, <laughs> sooner rather than later yeah but i feel like since the next one is coming out that i should watch you know i've watched the first one a bunch of times but i i think i watched the second and the third you know i went to see the second one super excited hated it in the theater even though i hated the second one i went to see the third one in the theater because i thought maybe it's gonna be better i didn't like it but those would be the the second and third maybe just do them together would be fun to do as an episode unless you've seen them a ton
1: um Um, no i haven't seen them a ton because i like you hated i don't think i've ever seen at christmas or something i might have you know Seen it was on HBO and watched part of it because it's mm-hmm. not that they don't have. There are some spectacular sequences in the second and third movies. Um, it's just that overall, as films, there's a lot of filler. There's like a rave yes. in underground, yeah, and whatever that that was weird. Zion, and you're like, this is necessary. Are we driving yeah. the plot forward here? You know, it just was. A, a fair amount of that, and then there's like the key guy, and you're like, you're you're introducing all of these chess players that, in this system that don't make any. of The Merovingian. and I'm just, what is happening?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's we wouldn't have to, but I just since I only saw each of them the one time, I, I believe I just wonder if maybe time has been. Kinder, kind to them, or if they still are terrible, I don't Maybe. know. Maybe
1: I'm not excited about it in the way that I'm excited about Indiana Jones. And oh, the sure, sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> well, I I'm not it's saying
0: much, no. I'm not saying no. I know. I know it's a much better movie. I, I am, I am cautiously uh, for the Matrix and Indiana Jones as well. I'm cautiously optimistic about the the new one. You know, I'm. I uh, well, you're a more optimistic man
1: than I am. Because I think it's gonna be garbage. But all oh, the Matrix or I, or Indiana Jones? Oh, uh, the Matrix. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, it probably will be. But, but I don't. I don't, you know, I
1: don't like the John Wick movies either. You know, uh, I've, I, I've never seen any of them. I've got nothing against Keanu Reeves, but I just feel like it's it was sort of a fluke that he was so good as Neo in the Matrix. Mm, yeah, sort of. It sort of oddly was perfect for him. I mean, he doesn't talk much point break fine right I mean Bill and Ted's sure
0: perfect for Bill and Ted yeah
1: but then you you give him something where he's like and he's the lead physicist and I'm like I just don't buy it <laughs> it's the
0: same thing that I was saying I think it was last week about Mark Wahlberg Keanu Reeves is in no way a dumb guy right. but he's good at those dumb characters it it not that Neo is dumb but you know Neo he just doesn't talk. Right. Um, but but Bill and Ted, he's just playing a dumb guy, and, and it works It works really well. Well, but, I think um, Neo is full of doubt for most of the
1: movie, too, mm-hmm. right? So he's not posturing himself as, you know, the chief hotshot. He's just this kind of hacker who can't bring himself to believe. Well, full stop, can't bring himself to
0: believe. And it sort of, it just works, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, with John, I'm surprised about John Wick because um, people keep saying, You've not seen John Wick. Oh, you need to see, you know, those movies are so great. And uh,
1: well, uh, I'm not, I don't want to poison it for you. I mean, they're nah, just action movies, they're just dumb action movies.
0: I'm not um, a big modern action film fan. Yeah. I like, I very much at the time liked 80s action movies. I like to watch 80s movies now because they're dumb but also they you hit a point um Die Hard is a really great example of it where it just and I know I've talked about this on the show but where it, everything just is so outrageous and you just you know it's kind of like we watched it wasn't a good movie but we watched Tango and Cash right and the action scenes in that are just like okay these are just guys fighting and it's really simple um but I just don't like the stuff where it's like they fall out of an airplane and they land and they're fine, you know, right. And they drive a car through a skyscraper and, right. you know, uh, a nuclear bomb. I mean, I guess that's Indiana Jones, but a yeah. nuclear bomb drops on them and they're yeah. fine. You know, um, I, I, I don't know. It just the, the over the top. Just it's just like everything has to be crazier than the last thing that you well,
1: saw. I get that fatigue in superhero movies, too, because everybody is literally like picking up a building and hitting each other with a building and it knocks them down. But they just get right back up and there's not a scratch. on. You know what I mean? Like there are no stakes. You're both invincible. Why are you even fighting? This is a waste of time. You're both invincible, (laughs) you
0: know? Yeah. Now, I do like, did you ever see Atomic Blonde? with uh, no it, it is Charlie uh, Theron Charlize Theron yeah and James McAvoy that's a movie um you should watch it um it they handle things you know she does some crazy things is she a secret the, agent or superhero or does she no, no, she's like, a secret she's a she's like a spy um and she has these fights And, you know, she's fighting men all through it. It's, you know, she's not really fighting women, but she gets hurt and she gets hurt a lot. And there are scenes of her, you know, she'll have a big battle and it's like, and even while it's going on, you're like, oh, that, you know, she's in pain. And then they'll show her later, like soaking in an ice bath, you know, and she has all these wounds and, and things. So they, they do a, they do a neat job of, of showing. Treating it. Yeah this is, you know, people can't really do these things and not have ill effects from it. That Well, that I, was one of the things I liked about uh
1: the I guess it was the third uh Batman that uh Nolan did is that mm-hmm. you know, he's in the orthopedists. Yeah. <laughs> and the, his orthopedist is like, you know, you're you're not 18 anymore, you know, maybe mm-hmm helicopter skiing or whatever he told me he was doing, you're like, maybe I should dial dial it back a little bit. (laughs) Because Batman's only human. Like, and he's out there getting, he's a punching bag, you know? Yeah. Taking a toll on him. And I thought, it's not a big part of the movie, and most of the movie is just, you know, but it shows him getting old and slowing down. Right. And I thought, that that's a nice touch, because this is a young man's game as implausible as it is that, that sure. it even is a thing. But
0: how long do we expect these characters to do this? Like they don't seem to get older. Mm-mm. No, no. But Atomic Blonde, I would recommend I okay. think it's a movie you would like. It's it's a good movie. I like James so. McAvoy a lot too. Yeah, he's great. He's great in everything. But he and he's he's good in that movie as as I recall. But Charlotte, you know, it's kind of they've done that thing a lot where it's like, oh, this is the badass woman spy you know but um that was maybe not the first one because i guess kill bill was before that but um but Charlize theron does it really really well right so
1: yeah and when you think about um black widow not i haven't seen that yet by the way i haven't either um but not many people land a punch on her (laughs) you know what i mean like she's Mm -hmm. the one she's always like one one second ahead of whatever impact i mean she falls down and gets knocked around a little bit but not like you're describing with atomic blonde yeah this is
0: her just getting beat up a yeah. bunch and yeah. you're just like all oh, that really hurts you know it's that kind of stuff oof um yeah. worth checking out okay we're we're yep. at time so
1: let's call it for today but i'm very excited for indiana jones and oh yeah the temple of doom for next Can't week wait. all right so chris and chris talk movies at gmail.com I'm Chris Ferry. I'm Chris Edelston. And we will talk to you next week.